Hey everyone, welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. I'm Layla London, aka The Curious Girl. Now, just to let you know, this podcast is not suitable for work. It's also not suitable for anybody under 18. But the rest of you consenting adults, let's get ready to talk about my sex life, sex in general, and everything in between in explicit, raunchy, fun detail. All right, here we go. It's not about the speed. It's actually about the proper growth and the evolution of that sub that needs to happen. And if the sub is pushing you, then they don't really truly respect the position of the dominant. Here's the thing, figuring out how, what gets a woman off, you're trying to sort of solve a Rubik's cube. And I couldn't sleep. So somehow I discovered masturbating and having an orgasm and then I would fall asleep. So with him, he'd have me get on top and I would grind my clit on his pelvic bone. And, you know, and he absolutely just encouraged every second of it. He ends up going down on me that night. He doesn't try to fuck me. He just goes down on me and... Oh my God, it was the first time I had come from oral sex. Hey everyone, welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. I am Layla. Okay, this is going to be a very fun episode. And before I even started, I just have to let you know, this was really inspired by this wonderful message I got from a listener. And I just thought, well, shit, I'm going to devote a whole episode around this. So it's very exciting. But before I get going, I hope everyone had a good weekend. I was up in Savannah last weekend or this past weekend. And what a lovely place. Oh my goodness. I I was just rubbernecking at all the houses. Like that's my porn. Like that's my original porn is it's houses. Like when I look, I'm whipping my neck. I just love beautiful homes. It's in my blood. Anyway, but I'm just, I'm happy the weather is starting to turn. We're getting some sort of semblance of a fall, which really reminds me of home back in California. I'd love to, right now, I'm just in that mode where I'd love to have someone, you know, sitting next to me outside by my fire pit under a cozy blanket and we watch movies on the projector. And then of course we have hot sex. (laughs) So I'm in that fall, cuddly, cozy. I just want to cuddle up mode. I love it. It's, I'm very glad to be in the Northern part of Florida because we're getting some seasons and this is new to me because I really kind of thought I was going to forego that when I left California. But now, you know, I get that. It reminds me of home and that's really lovely. The other thing I'm excited about, nobody really probably cares, is I found my replacement Christmas tree. Actually, I didn't, it's not a replacement. It's my actual tree that I had. So as you guys know, if you've listened to me when I was moving, some shit just did not make the cut. I couldn't pack it all in the pods. And moving across the country in pods is not cheap, especially in the middle of the summer when most people are moving. You're charged the primo prices. I won't even tell you, like it would it would make you gasp when it costs to haul my shit out here across the country. But a lot of things I had to, it was like, how many pods am I going to get? Do you, are you going to get another one? And it came down to where I was like, okay, what can be replaced versus the cost of shipping it? Because it's really expensive. 
thousands and thousands, creeping up at that point in the summer towards, you know, the 10,000 mark per pod. (laughs) And like, I just cannot see my way to having this many pods. And a lot of it was just stuff that, you know, again, as an example, the Christmas tree is $300 roughly. So it was kind of like, would you get a $10,000 pod to ship a $300 Christmas tree? And then maybe like a, some other miscellaneous items again, that were just like, you could replace for less than you, you know, the cost to ship it. I'm just a money person. I, I like to pay attention to this stuff. So I, I did have to make some hard cuts when I cut my Christmas tree. It really hurt. It That hurt my heart because, you know, you just want your tradition. You want your traditional stuff. And I will, I am one that puts my tree up like the day after Thanksgiving. Boom. Like that shit's up. I'm going to milk it. I'm going to milk every day that I have. As I've gotten older, I've gotten more sentimental about it. The other thing is, you know, it really reminds me of my mom and just like anything that I can do to sort of recreate what I had and just that kind of, that sentiment, you know, I really wanted this tree. And so getting rid of it was hard. But the good news is I have, I have found the tree, the tree. I mean, I scoured the internet. I found it. I reordered it. I'm in possession of it. So it's not the original tree, but it's the exact replica of the tree. And since it's new, that's nice because it's got a little less wear and tear on it. And uh, I can sort of recreate my traditions and um, get back into what reminds me of home and what I had when my mom was alive. And, you know, so anyway, I'm very excited. So, all right, there we go. Well, now listen, today I want to get all into my orgasms. Now, this episode is actually inspired by a listener. He sent a lovely message and I'm going to read that email in just a minute. But I want you to know, like I'm going through the evolution and the history of my orgasms because I really feel like, I don't think anybody else has ever, well, I shouldn't say this, but I've never come across anybody that's documented and gone back and just really kind of briefly summarized the evolution of their orgasms as a woman when they first started having them, how they had them, what what was going on, and moving forward kind of lover to lover. So this one is going to be quite informational. All right, but first... I want to start with a very interesting email that I got from, but I'm going to to answer this one first because this is really a great one too. Okay. I'm not going to read anybody's names, even though they give initials. I just want everybody to know that when they email me and, you know, they can feel safe that it's anonymous. So I'll just read the email. Hi, Layla. I just came across your podcast as a curious but an experienced woman myself. I met someone who is so attractive to me, but he is asking me to be the leader of the relationship. As I get to know more of him, he seems to want to bring the DS dynamic into everyday life. Example, he wants me to list chores for him to do, eventually wants guidance in all aspects of his own career and personal decision-making. And I feel like he is putting the cart before the horse. He doesn't know me well enough first, but asks for this type of relationship. I'm interested in exploring a relationship with this person, but how do I figure out if this is what I want? How do I set these boundaries before the sexual relationship begins? Okay, really great question. And you, what I love about this question is this triggered me back to when I first met Cowboy N. And I was so 
pushy in the way that I I kept pushing. Like, I'm like, push me, push me. I want more, I want more. I didn't want to, you know, he sent me, he sent me something to fill out. He was trying to understand what I wanted better. And at the time, the mindset that I was in was I just like blew it off. I sent it back, barely filled out because I didn't, there was two things going on. First of all, it was a little bit ego-based, like who the fuck are you to ask me to fill this out? Like, come on. And the other side of it was, the bigger part was, I didn't understand how valuable that information was. And I didn't understand what it's like to be in a dominant position, which this listener, it doesn't matter whether you're male or female, this listener is is asked to be in and how much responsibility is is in that role. So I didn't get it at that time because this was all new to me. And I remember, you know, if you, again, if you guys have been following me, I was just really trying to check some things off my bucket list. I didn't know the doors I was opening and where I was going. And I didn't fully understand a lot of this stuff. So I would say to this question, you know, to the listener that sent this in, first of all, you have to be very careful when somebody is trying to push you to move quickly really doesn't work that way because it's not about the speed. It's actually about the proper growth and the evolution of that sub that needs to happen. And if the sub is pushing you, then they don't really truly respect the position of the dominant. And that I can say was true at the time because I didn't, again, it wasn't that I didn't, I didn't respect it because I didn't understand enough about it. So it wasn't a slight on him. I just didn't understand enough about it and what I was getting into, the the territory that I was treading into. And so I would suggest to you that you can go back and listen to, there's a podcast I did with Kink in the Chain. It's called Kink in the Chain. I don't know the episode number, but if you go back and just look, Kink in the Chain. Listen to them. You can also Google Kink in the Chain. There's two hosts. They're both into BDSM. They put out a lot of information on FetLife. There's a lot of information out there, by the way, just in all things BDSM and all things sub and you know dominant and how to kind of manage these situations. But I what I respect is that this listener here is saying, you know, it sounds like there's a little, she's a little hesitant, you know, like she doesn't know how to sort of set the boundaries. And that's what she's asking before the sexual relationship begins. And I want to say kudos to you for actually like knowing this and realizing this. And I wouldn't really be the proper one to direct it because I've only experienced experienced it from the sub-level and I can sort of give advice about it. But I'll tell you what, really go, I think that if you go to, you could actually Google this stuff, just BDSM dynamic, dominant to sub-dynamic and probably hit on a lot of stuff. But I really trust the information that Kink in the Chain is putting out there. And so I would... If I were you, I would go and listen to that episode that we did and then follow up with them because they'll have they'll have a lot of resources on this for you better than I would. But again, really amazing to you and kudos hats off for, you know, wanting to make sure that you're doing it right and that you're setting boundaries and everybody's clear on expectations and this is just this is another reason why I just I've said it so many times I love BDSM because I feel like it demands communication. You can't bullshit your way through it. If you do, it unravels very quickly. There's not this long-term, you're not going to be, you know, like in a vanilla relationship, you could drag on for years and then all of a sudden you're like, fuck, (laughs) 
where are we? Who are you? Who am I with? Like, we don't match up. Our sexual chemistry is off, wrong. There's so many things wrong. It's because there was just a lack of communication the whole way from go. And the BDSM dynamic really demands that you can't move it forward without it. It will self-eliminate very quickly. You know, you could role play it a couple times, but it's not going to be what the other person wants and everybody's quickly moving on. So what I just love so much about this type of dynamic is it just, it absolutely requires very, very concise communication and focus on what everybody needs out of it in order for this to be successful. And if you do it right, you'll have that defined up front and you'll be pretty happy. All right. So I hope that helps. Thank you so much for that lovely email. Okay. Now this is the, I got this great email and I want to really spark the whole idea for this episode uh, because I know I've I've sort of, you know, nibbled around the edges on these, on this subject so many times over the years. And this just really kind of brought it all together. And I thought, well, you know, I've got, I've got little bits here and little bits there. And I could, I could direct him to different episodes, but I, why not just really break it down? And as I sat, I mean, I actually, I wrote an outline for this because I really had to jog my memory, like what's been my evolution for orgasms? I mean, this is really about my evolution for orgasms. And I'll bet you, it might be very similar to a lot of women's evolution through their orgasmic experiences across a certain time span. So like this is what we're getting, we're going on an orgasmic, the Curious Girls orgasmic journey. And here's what kicked it all off. I got this email. It says, hey, Layla, I just found you today. And holy shit, am I glad I did. I'm a UPS driver and it gets kind of lonely at times doing my job. So I usually have podcasts playing throughout the day. I just finished my delivery route and I must have listened to 10 episodes. I won't mention names, but you took the spot for my favorite sex podcast. I love you and your show so much that you actually got me to write in and I don't ever write in or leave reviews for anything. On top of writing to tell you how much I love your show, I come to ask you to help me and my girlfriend. We're talking after sex. We were talking after sex, which is a hit or miss because I feel like after sex, I'm just not all there mentally and occasionally don't phrase things correctly, which usually ends up in her being upset. So I've told her that after sex, I do not want to have romantic slash serious combos with me since I need some time after sex to get everything in my brain working again. But I digress. She said she doesn't know if she's orgasmed before. I was so shocked because whole five years, for the whole five years of us being together, I would ask her if she came after and she said, yeah. So I asked, what do you mean you don't know? To which she replied, I don't know. I just don't know if it feels really good. I just don't know. I know it feels really good when we have sex. And I mean, I don't have a problem lasting. Sometimes we go an hour and a half, no problem. I was always open as a book when it came to sex, but she wasn't. She recently started to open up a bit, talking about what things I do that she really likes and what things she would like me to do. Being her first and knowing that she was a rookie to masturbation, I 
always encourage her to explore herself and to find out what feels good to her. I have encouraged her and bought her a rabbit vibrator and recommended some podcasts as well to hopefully help her. I would love for you to do an episode about women discovering themselves or if you can direct me to an episode you've done in the past. I feel like I could tell her the information myself, but she'd really pay attention if it was coming from another female. I tried to give her advice about the gym, but didn't. But she didn't listen until she heard it from a female's mouth. Thanks, Layla. The show, and hopefully I can get my girlfriend into it as well. Also, really love that episode you did on putting out. We were going through the same problem, but I had sent her another podcast. She was speaking on the same subject, hostess female, and it changed her mindset on it. I wish we'd have seen your episode on the topic first. P.S. If you ever want a viewer's opinion on something, I'd be more than happy to email the show. Well, I'm taking your opinion on this and I'm running with it. Okay, so much here to dive into. Let me just say, wow, there's a lot here. Okay, so... She's, I love that she's got a rabbit pearl. I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about the rabbit pearl. I did an outline. Like I literally did an outline because I wanted to make sure that I just included as much information as I could. Now, sometimes, let me just tell you, sometimes, and I don't know your age, so it's just, I'm sort of reading a little bit into it, but sometimes, you know, it's hard for women. We don't like to be mansplained and don't take that personally, but especially when it comes to orgasms, that's like... We're like, excuse me, you know, a man telling me about my own orgasms. It's hard. I've even had that. I can say that there's been instances where I've even had that as as a grown woman, you know, with different partners and different experiences. Like when they are telling me what to do and what not to do and how to come and how not to come, it's hard. Like you literally want to like rip their face off and punch them in the face and be like, excuse me, motherfucker. You stick, you could just, the wind blows and your dick gets hard and you come. We're not wired like that. So a lot of times there's a lot of defensiveness that comes up. It's just like, fuck off. Don't tell me about my orgasm how to come. Now I say this lovingly because I don't want you to, I just don't want you to take it personally. It's like, this is a orgasms to women. This is sacred. This is precious, right? We, we value this among all things. This is really pretty, this is a big subject, okay? And since we're not wired the same as you and our erogenous zones are kind of different, you know, we have a lot going on. It's mental, it's physical. It's, we're just so much more emotional about it. Not only that, but the clitoris is really so, you know, misunderstood and the erogenous zones around the vagina, you want to call it vagina, vulva. I, I say vagina, but really the tech, the proper technical term is the vulva. It's actually like if you've seen a proper vulva, like or clitoris, the clitoris, everybody thinks it's just that little, the bulb that's sticking out and it's either covered by the hood or not covered by the hood. But it has all of these legs, okay? So they run around the side of the labia and internally and there's so much going on. It's almost like like a crab, <laughs> like with the front nose that's either, you know, it's an Audi if it's not covered by the hood, right? Or an any if it's covered by the hood. But then you have all these other, you know, like these legs that run around. And that's why women come so many different ways. It could be pressure around, around the entrance, you know, around the vulva. And I'm trying to use the technical terms, even though I like to say vagina. There's just so many different ways. So let's, 
here's the thing, figuring out how, what gets a woman off, you're trying to sort of solve a Rubik's cube. So I feel for you guys, but let me take you, I think like, let me, I think what I can best do is take you through my evolution of orgasms. And I know that the person that wrote in, first of all, you obviously love her very much and kudos to you. Like that just, I'm my heart, you know, I'm like, oh, my heart's pitter patter for that. That is amazing. I like the in it. And it sounds like you guys are having communication, open communication, which is great. So let's start with, I think if I go back in my personal journey of how I sort of evolved orgasmically, this may help. And I think I'll, it's probably very similar to what a lot of women have experienced. And my hope is that by doing this, men, they pick up on oh yeah, you know, I've done that or it's relatable. You'll hear what I'm saying in partners that you've had. And then it, you'll start to kind of put the puzzle pieces together. Because again, I know it's it's complicated. I, I don't wish I was a man because it's very hard to figure this out. But again, kudos to the men who want to figure it out. Okay. So when I first started with orgasms, really, uh, let's go, we're going to roll the clock way back. The first time I had an orgasm, I was about five years old. And probably the way the same way a lot of young boys discover their penis, girls discover their clits. And I, um, at the time, my, my mom was friends, became really good friends with our neighbors. And I, and I became very good friends with their son who was my same age and we we kind of grew up together and but they were very strict very strict and if i was over at their house if if they were watching me my mom whatever is off doing something we had to take naps well i stopped taking naps when i was like i don't even know if i ever took naps like literally my mom said i just refused them at some point like very young i didn't need naps didn't want naps well this was a napping household so to me at 5 to have to regress and take a nap i was like what the fuck but it was their rules and this was back in the day when <laughs> when you were at someone else's house someone else's parent they were in charge like you knew their rules applied and if you didn't follow them your ass was in trouble so <laughs> nowadays like oh no don't discipline my child because Without asking me, no, no, this was gangster. <laughs> you, you had to act straight and fly right because you were going to get in trouble if you. And the other person's parents were allowed to punish you. So that was that was the time frame of this. And we had to take naps. I did not want to, but and I couldn't sleep. So somehow I discovered masturbating and having an orgasm, and then I would fall asleep. No joke. At five years old, yep. So that's where I started. That's that's my first memory of orgasms. And because I we had to take these naps and they were god awful and I could sit there and stare at paint on the ceiling or I could masturbate and fall asleep and just let the time pass. So that's what I did. Now from there, it was, I guess masturbation was, you know, moving forward was probably between five and, you know, moving up to like teenage years. That was really just something I kind of did from time to time. It wasn't like I did it for a specific reason. I wasn't forced to take naps and just somehow something would 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 happen and you would be like, okay, I'm going to masturbate and have an orgasm. But I knew orgasm was so great. So, you know, definitely I did that. And I had sex for the first time at 17. And then that was no good. Well, I shouldn't say it wasn't any good. It was just, you know, it's two young people 
rubbing body parts, <laughs> mashing penis to vagina contact. Nobody knows what's going on or what's supposed to be going on. I, did, of course, did not have an orgasm at 17 with my first partner. And, you know, he was very loving and sweet and kind and really uh, just a great first boyfriend for all the other intensive purposes, but just as far as an or, you know him showing what what an orgasm was of course not he was a teenager i don't you know he didn't know so from moving on from there i about 18 years old i had kind of reconnected with a fifth grade boyfriend of mine and he had a big dick i didn't know in fifth grade i didn't know he had a big dick right but when we reconnected at 18 he had a big dick or what I, at least you know it's interesting i wonder i'm still friends with him <laughs> He's married now, just a real sweetheart, total sweetheart. We're just we're just keeping contact as friends, but I wonder I don't know if his dick is actually big or I just thought it was back then. I don't know, but back then, okay, let me just say like this was a big dick. Like I was like, "Holy shit, it was girthy, thick, long." Like I was like, "What am I whoa, what am I going to do with this?" And my first boyfriend was not uh small, but this had something else additional to it. Now, Again, if you know, if you listen to me, I said I read a Cosmo article and I found my G-spot through Cosmo. Again, Cosmo to the rescue. I read an article about the CAT method, C-A-T. And I don't know exactly what that stands for, but I'll tell you what, I will try to include some links for this in the show notes. I'll Google it afterwards. But it's the CAT method. And basically what it is, is you are penetrating the woman and she could be on the bottom or the top, but... Actually, was I on the top? Let me think about this. Let me roll the clock back here. No, I was on the bottom. I was on the bottom. Yes. I guess you could do it either way. She could be on the top or you could be on the bottom. You're rocking your dick in and out, but you're also passing over her clit as you do it. So it's almost like a U-shaped kind of a motion. And so you're very, your pelvises are very close. You're grinding, you're, you're coming out and part of your dick glides over her clit and it's back in and his was long enough that like it never came out. It was just like this constant, you know, rocking U-shaped motion. And while we're having sex, I had my first orgasm during sex with another person. Obviously I'd orgasmed. I knew how to have an orgasm without him, but I was too embarrassed at that time, 18, to like masturbate, you know, just use my hand and get on top or or use it when we were having when we were having penetration to show him how to do it. But I did say, I told him, I'm like, it was very convenient, right? Because I'm like, oh, I saw this, art- this article. I want to try this. <laughs> I want to try this position. And sure enough, on the first try, a boom. Oh, and I was just like, he was blown away and I was blown away because that was the first time a woman came on his dick. And this was the first time I came on a cock. So it was just like, <gasps> it was great. So I feel pretty good that at 18, like I just had an adventurous spirit. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, but I feel like 18 is pretty, pretty young to be telling your partner, this is what I want. Like, and it wasn't even straightforward. I was a little, you know, it was like, hey, I found this article. Let's do this. And boom, it happened. So and that was pretty good. I think from there, and then the, probably the next best jump up was that there was a professional baseball player that I dated for quite a long time. And I was 19 and he was 11 years older. And we dated pretty off and on, pretty consistently up into my 30s. And I still am in contact with him today. Just love him to death. Great guy. And, you know, he I also, it's interesting because he was kind of my first unofficial dom. He, not in his sexual practices, but with his energy. Like he and I could not, 
the chemistry, the friction, like we couldn't stand it. There was this constant push-pull and it was electric. It was the first time I'd ever felt that with someone. But being that young, I didn't really understand why. And what I love about this podcast is as I move forward, I've documented why. I've referenced this, this guy, like why... I was seeing what I really needed in a man, like the personality traits, the strong, dominant, male, masculine energy. It was hot as fuck. It popped my head off. It just shot me through the roof like nothing. Nobody else ever had and didn't even know. Like I didn't understand. It was like, what is this? But we both had this amazing chemistry and draw to each other. So with him, he'd have me get on top and I would grind my clit on his pelvic bone. And, you know, and he absolutely just encouraged every second of it. I mean, I can still remember memories and moments of being on top and just the things he was saying to me. And as he's kind of talking me through it and just like getting me to relax and feel comfortable. Now getting on top and just letting go at that age was really hard to do, but he did a really good job at encouraging it and helping me, I guess, like embrace my sexuality and just owning it and feeling positive and electric and hot up there because he's looking at me the whole time. And a lot of times for women, they don't like, if they've had a problem having orgasm with a partner during sex, being watched and looked at is hard. You get self-conscious, you get in your head and it's counterintuitive because where you need to be is outside of your head. You have to really just you got to go to another level. You know, she's got to be so comfortable that almost like, she, you know, I mean, she doesn't, it's not about you even being there at all. And don't take that the wrong way, guys. It's just, you need her to feel so free and so open to express herself in that way. And sometimes it can be hard to get a woman to that point. So be patient, just be patient. But anyway, I would get on top and, oh, I mean, whew, that man, he had the biggest hands. Whew, those baseball players, he had the biggest fucking hands. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. He really did. Like, honestly, the biggest man hands I've ever, I've ever had on me. And whew, to this day, like I talked to him probably a couple, maybe three weeks ago. We just still keep in touch and he's coaching a team not very far from me. I won't say not in this state, but just anyway, I mean, well, Sort of, I don't know. I'm not going to give any details. But anyway, he's around. <laughs> he's around. Part of me is like, hmm, maybe we need to... We always kind of flirt a little bit. But anyway, okay, I'm off that. Now, the next thing was, oh, the bad boy musician. Okay, so I think... How old was I here? I met him when I was about 21, I think. Yeah, I think about 21. And... We met, and at the time I was working, it was over the Christmas holiday, and I had was working at Macy's <laughs> to make a little extra money. And he was a personal shopper in Macy's, but he was this bad boy musician. You know, he was in a band, he had tattoos, and I was very conservative. I probably still am, you know, just this very conservative preppy type, just... Ralph Lauren. I mean, just that was my whole, that was my whole style, right? And he saw me the first day and just came right up to me and started like, it was like asking me out on the floor while I'm working. And I'm like, who the fuck are you? 
Well, I didn't know he was one of the personal shoppers, right? And the personal shoppers are kind of like highly exalted in the store. And I was just so temporary. Like I just was doing, I was doing this temporary. I wanted to get some extra money for for the holidays or whatever. So I just decided, hey, you know, I'll work at Macy's. And I actually had a friend who worked there. She she worked there and she's like, hey, you should come. We're looking for some temporary help over the holidays. So I did. And then I met him and and he would come up to me and it was just I'm like, ew. You know, and I, I just, I was like, oh, he was so not, so not preppy, so not Mr. Put Together, you know, and I, his look anyway, you know, he had yeah, just, I didn't, I thought I didn't like him. I really didn't. I mean, I, I told him, I was just like, you don't have a chance with me. I don't like you. Go away. <laughs> like literally go away. And I, I didn't have any problem telling him like, no, I don't, I, there's nothing about you I like. You're not my type. I don't like you at all. No chance, buddy. And he would just, he kept coming back and he was persistent and he just didn't give up. And then one night I was at this party and there were a lot of older men there and they were basically getting high and snorting cocaine. And I was not like into that. Like again, I was just this very preppy, like I lived with blinders on for a very long time and Catholic schools, you know, I was into sports. I just, I was really a good girl. I just was a good girl. I didn't get into, you know, I didn't, I just didn't get into drugs and drinking and all that stuff. Like, and so all of a sudden, but being this young, cute, attractive woman, you get invited to all this stuff and you're exposed to a lot of stuff. And so I had gone to this party and everybody was high and like passed out and I'm stuck there. And I don't, the person I came with, I don't know where they were. And for some reason, I was just like, I need someone to come get me because I can't call really, basically I was like, I can't call anybody that I know. I can't admit I'm at this party with these, like and everybody's using drugs because I don't use drugs and I don't want to be associated with it. So I figured, who could I call? I called him. He shows up. I'm like, this guy's from the wrong side of the track. So this will be okay with him. <laughs> like literally, this is what I'm thinking. He shows up and saves my little princess ass. He, I call him like, I need help. He's like, where are you? You know, and and I told him, I gave him the address. He's like, are you hurt? Is everything okay? I'm like, I'm okay, but I'm really scared. I was really scared. Honestly, I was really scared. I thought one of these guys, honestly, I was like, one of these guys is going to try to fucking rape me. Like literally. Yeah. I mean, I'd had so many come-ons that night and so much, I was just like, I need to be, get me out of here. I need to be rescued from this. This was a bad decision. So he comes, pulls up, he jumps out of his car. Like it's a van, by the way, it's a fucking van because he's in a band. So he the, takes the band members and they travel around, <laughs> pulls up in a fucking van <laughs> and he's got a baseball bat and he's walking up. Like, I mean, he's ready to bust some skulls. And I'm like, <gasps> no, no, no. You know, I'm just like, I just come running. I'm like, just get me out of here. He's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. So anyway, it's late. He takes me back to his house. And I don't know. I It's like when I saw him walking up, if if there's this scene, like, you know, he reminds me of, um, if you've ever seen Charlie's Angels, where what's the guy that was dating Jennifer Aniston? What is his name? Dang it, I'm drawing a blank. And he, in that, it was the second Charlie's Angels, I think, where he's the, um, he's Drew Barrymore's like uh, early boyfriend, the bad guy, and he's Irish. And he, the way he just comes walking up, like, just a badass, you know? 
You're like, you know, like he's as he's coming towards you, like, uh-oh, shit's about to go down. Okay, that was, that's what he looked like. And that's what he just, he just was like coming up. And I'm like, he's going to, I don't know what he's going to do. So that's why I ran out. We left and we get back to his house and something about like that whole, like just having this man come and save you. Well, it got me, got me wet, got my panties wet. And so that night I was, he's like, well, he had roommates, which again, I was like, oh my God, you have roommates? Like I didn't have roommates. Like you gotta, you gotta understand, like I am this just with my, you know, nose in there. Like I didn't have roommates. I lived alone. I had my own little flat. Like, no, <laughs> I didn't have to do the roommate thing. So he's got roommates. And I'm just like, there's nowhere I can sleep. Right. I mean, this is a, this is a dude house, like, a, like literally like dudes every, you know, like, nothing feminine about this. And so I'm like in his bed and my bedroom and I'm like, okay, you know, so I get, I have all my clothes on or blah, blah, blah. Anyway, eventually he creeps his way over. I don't know what, I can't remember exactly how it happened. I couldn't fall asleep. I was so wired. And he was really, I think he was trying to be a gentleman. Then he kind of sort of tested the waters and uh, he ends up going down on me that night. He doesn't try to fuck me. He just goes down on me and... Oh my God. It was the first time I had come from oral sex. And I literally saw stars. And I was just like, what the fuck am I going to do? I cannot take this guy home to my family. But he just did that thing to me. So we did end up dating for a while, uh, uh, secretly for quite a while. Eventually, I introduced him to my family. They're like, all right. You know, like they were like, well, they figured it would be a passing thing. It was, but the oral sex that we had, the sex that we had, actually, I shouldn't just say the oral sex, the sex we had was amazing. And the oral sex was fucking phenomenal. This was somebody that really loved oral sex. And there's men that just love to make a woman come by going down on her. He's one of these guys and he was so fucking good at it unbelievably good at it. It's the first time. I mean, he would suck my clit any seven ways to Sunday. And then it was the first time a man had me like get on them and just sit on their face. And this is, again, this is a really uncomfortable position for a woman to be in when you're shy because... A, you're exposed. He's looking up at you. When when his head's down, at least he's just staring at your crotch, right? But this, he can, you know, he can see that he's just, you can make eye contact. He can make eye co- contact. It's very vulnerable when you're young or if, you, if you're not used to it. But he just, whew. Yeah, I mean, th- it didn't take me very long where I was like, oh yeah, I will get up there. You don't have to like, yes. I mean, I would just get up there and do it. I'd be like, this is how I want it tonight. And he would give me multiple orgasms that way. And it wasn't just one. And then he would give me several and then he would fin- we'd finally have sex and he would come. Now, I wasn't rubbing my clit at this point so that I could also have another orgasm or I- he also wasn't hitting, I wasn't really t- in tune to my G-spot and how to make that happen. But again, it was it was great because he'd given me multiple orgasms. He was a very generous lover and... I realized how pleasurable oral sex is. And I even lamented when I was like, I know I have to break up with this guy, but I was so like, I'm never going to have oral sex like that again. And I mean, I got to say, he's still pretty much right up there. Like in the sense that for other guys that are good at it, I've had other guys that are equally as good. The difference is this. 
For him, that was really the main event. I never felt rushed. I never felt like I just got to do this so I can move on to the next thing. He would make make it so much about that. And again, that really, when you get to experience that as a woman from someone that's that generous, it really just allows you to relax and open up. And I think one of the things that you know men don't realize is that when you're rushing us along, we feel pressured and we can't relax and have an orgasm. That's just, those are two opposite ends of the spectrum. We cannot relax and have an orgasm when we're feeling pressure from you. It may not be that you're trying to make us feel pressure, but sometimes if you really want to get to know your, your woman's body and how it works, you need to just devote some very selfless exploration sessions to make it all about her. Because when the pressure's on that, okay, we got to do this now so we can move to the next thing, which is you sticking your dick in and getting off, it's hard. You know, like this is what we're up against when we don't have mastery over our orgasms. That comes later. We kind of have to, it's training wheels. We have to baby step it. There's no manual for this. Nobody teaches you this. You kind of got to figure it out. And either, you know, and some women are more adventurous, I guess, maybe like me or less. But I think, you know, we all want to get to the same place and we all kind of face what I feel are very similar stumbling blocks. So it doesn't come totally naturally. The way we touch ourselves does, of course, because we know our bodies and what feels good. But where that becomes difficult is then how to convey that to a partner and have him or her, you know, do exactly what we need. And I know that the converse is probably true too for men and, you know, orally in many aspects. So I'm not trying to say that this is only about women. Okay. So the next, uh, I think the next kind of pivotal person, you know, I'm moving along, right? I'm pretty, in pretty good command of my body here. The next really pivotal person was my, uh, I dated a billionaire. <laughs> That's right. Yes. He's a billionaire for quite a while. And he was, well, let's see here. He was very, well, this is kind of actually around the same time. Let me, let me go back here. I think it was, first I dated the lacrosse player and he was, yes, he was before the billionaire. Yes. Because when I, when I broke up with the lacrosse player, I out one night met the billionaire and he's literally young. He was eight years older than me, but He's now a billionaire. He went on to be, he was a millionaire then, now he's a billionaire. At any rate, my lacrosse player. So he was, this was interesting. This was actually the first time I squirted on a cock. I was on top and I squirted and he didn't know what I had done. And I just felt, I thought it was really just wet. Well, there was this huge puddle underneath us afterwards. And he's like, I think you peed on me. And I was like, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. I, did. I absolutely didn't know what had happened, but I know I did not pee on him. And I was, we got in this fight about it. It was awful because we, it was like a, a wedge. We got in this fight about it because he thought I peed on him and he didn't care, but he's like, I think you peed. I'm like, that's, not, I didn't fucking pee on you. That's not pee. I know when I pee, I did not have to pee. That wasn't pee. And I ended up talking to a guy friend about my, of mine at the time. And he's like, oh, you squirted. No, you squirted. And he like, he was the first person like, what? What's that? That's the first time I'd heard of squirting. So I had the potential back then. I just didn't have the right partner, I guess, to really bring it out or know what the fuck was happening. But this partner, so he's same thing. This guy, I, the lacrosse player, I kind of call, I lovingly call like the orgasm swap. It was where it was a this for that. So he would go down on me first. It was always, we kind of did a lot of the same stuff. We, you know, he would go down on me first. I would have an orgasm and then it was his turn and we would have penetration and he would come and that was, that was it. That was a wrap. 
So I never had an orgasm with him through penetration, but this is the guy I was with when I got my first vibrator given to me by a girlfriend and she sent me the Mr. Bunny or the Rabbit Pearl. Well, holy shit, this thing freaking blew my mind. I was addicted. I was hooked. I'm like, I'd never, I'd never had a vibrator before, sadly. And so this fucking rocked my world. Well, he got so jealous of it. He wanted me to throw it away. Like no joke. He like wanted me to throw it away. And I was just like, he was saying it's me or the vibrator. And I said, well, then you better cut your right hand off because when you're jacking off, it's, you know, you're cheating on me. Because he's basically saying me, me masturbating with this thing was cheating on him. Anyway, that was, you can quickly see where this is going and this is unraveling. By the way, in a few previous episodes, I did talk about somebody who gave me the worst gifts I've ever received for Christmas. It was this guy. Yeah, terrible, terrible. He was a sweet guy, but he had his little hangups and, you know, eh, anyway, not so good. All right, but fortunately, I'm pretty sure you guys listening, you're not gonna have this problem. Please don't tell me you're giving bad gifts horrible. We're heading into the holiday season. Do not do that. Like this is the worst thing you can do for women. Okay. Worse than no orgasms. Almost like it's tied. No orgasms and terrible gifts. Ugh. All right. Now, so onto the uh, naughty billionaire, I'll call him. Well, he was very much a ladies man for sure. And he and I, same thing. I seem to have these relationships with people where I just, I go off and on and I can go off and on with somebody for a long time because there's just a lot of draw there. And when I met him at the time, when I first met him, I was really just after coming off of the, you know, breaking up with a lacrosse player, I'm like, I don't want another boyfriend. I just want to have fun. And so I messed around with him for several years. And I think I was probably the first woman that didn't want, really want to be with him because he was very wealthy and and attractive. And he was really kind of like that guy, the catch that everybody wanted. And he couldn't, I think it drove him crazy that I didn't want him in the same, you know, like I wasn't falling all over myself. And so because of that, I think that was like, that's what gave us this constant like push pull. And we dated for quite a while. And actually it's funny, I even ref, again, I referenced him during the Curious Girl Diaries, the last time I saw him was several years back, but it was it was during this podcast when this podcast, maybe a year into it, he he called and wanted to hook it up. And at that point when I went and saw him, like it wasn't the same going back after I'd had different experiences and things like that. Like sexually for me, it wasn't the same. But at the time, let's go back. Okay, at the time, what was great about him was he'd had a lot of partners, no doubt. And he really understood a woman's body. Kudos to him. And he wasn't selfish. Being as wealthy as he was, he was not selfish. He was very into pleasing. Good for him. And he was the first guy that I came across that had fucking lube and sex toys in his nightstand. And I was like, oh my God, like lube. And so he introduced me to lube at 27. He introduced me to lube and how good it feels like, don't just dry grind on that clit, like use some lube. Like it really helps you slip around. It's just so much better. It's like 10 times better. And then he also had sex toys in his nightstand. I was like, you're not using those on me. He's like, well, let me get you. He bought me a new one. Okay. I'm like, you're not going to fucking recycle. Like this is your nightstand of sex toys that you use on all these other fucking hoes that come over and see you. Like, no way. No. Uh-uh. Disgusting. Ugh. 
I won't even get started on that. Yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't have that happen to me, but somebody sort of, I don't, I'll say punked me. I don't know. Maybe it was a misinterpretation, but at one point I did use another woman's sex toy. I thought it was there. I thought it was like, oh, how thoughtful you have this for me. Nope. 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 It turns out he wasn't telling me this was somebody else's sex toy. He knows who he is. I'm not going to say his name. Anyway, yeah, that didn't go over my head. <laughs> but um, so it took, me a while. <laughs> it took me a while to figure it out when it disappeared one day. I'm like, oh, she came and got it. Okay. Anyway, so back to the sex toy. So it's when I finally got interested. So I got introduced to the little, those little bullets, you know, the little eggs, the little bullets that you use. And oh my gosh. So he would put his, he was great initially before we started using the sex toys. He would just put a bunch of lube on his thumb and on my, on my clit. And then I'd be riding him and he'd have his thumb with just the right amount of pressure. And I could just grind on his thumb. It was so good. And for a woman, when you're really just getting comfortable. Yeah, I, I'm at this point, right, where I'm comfortable on top. I don't mind the eye contact. It's hot. He can see me. He can see things starting to tense up and shake and my nipples getting hard. Like he knew when I was about to come. But his thumb, for some reason, I just remember it felt very empowering because I, you know, I could control everything. And he just knew what to do. He just put his thumb right there and just let me, let me go at it. And I would, you know, rub my clit on his thumb and boom, you know, and I would come and pretty damn good orgasms again because i'm on top and i can really i can move my hips and just control all of it so this was really really hot and then we moved on to you know when i didn't want to use the when he's like well you know he knew he was kind of baby stepping me i mean kudos to him like you know he, again he was 8 years old like he really i think understood probably because he was a connoisseur of women, dating women of different ages and different, you know, like understood their bodies pretty good. Like, hey, he knew he could like graduate me up to a vibrator so he didn't have to do the thumb technique. Maybe he was, you know, he wanted to do other things with his hands, but oh, and he would bite my nipples too, right? As I was about ready to come. And that would just like, that was like the last thing I needed to send me over the edge. Oh, <sighs> yeah, he was he was fun. I mean, it's funny. Like, I'm still like I still have such positive things to say about him, and, and even to this day, like we, you know, I think we haven't spoken for about three years, but we just still like each other. There's just this mutual respect, and I think that's lovely when you can cross paths with people and you part ways, and you each sort of gave each other something, hopefully something valuable, and you move on and you're still good. You know, you're still comfortable and you you think of them fondly and speak of them fondly. Yeah, so with the lube and the thumb and then when we moved on to the lube and the bullet, whoa, 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 whoa. That was the first time I'd actually, I was used to, I'd used the Mr. Bunny, okay, but I'd never used a toy with a partner. So I used that little my little bullet and, you know, there we go. Okay. Pretty much you can fast forward to everything that I probably, my, I think my evolution really jumped from that point and that guy to when I started the Curious Girl Diaries and the, it was static there and then it jumped with all the experimenting I did and just wanting to try different things and then G-spot orgasms. And that was actually... If I had to fill that in there, when was that? Again, that was Cosmo. Kudos to Cosmo. Probably, mm, that might've been around the same time, 27. Yeah, I think that was about 27. So 
there's my historical evolution of orgasms. And the rest, you guys have heard, the rest, like the next big jump in how I explain things and how I come to understand just how my body works with another, with a partner and how, what they can do to me and the different levels and how many multiples of orgasms I can have, which is so nice. That really came more so after this point. And, but I've documented it in the Curious Girl Diaries podcast and you'll just have to go back and listen. I know it's a little bit of a tease. Sorry. I have such a huge catalog of episodes, guys. Please don't forget, go back and listen, search through the title, look through the show notes. It should really help you decide what kind of what you're looking for. And of course, you know, you can always ask me specifically, there's something you're targeting, then I'm happy to help. But just to kind of wrap it up, I mean, it's really some of the best techniques, guys, are if you want to help her come, is go slow, take your time, erotic massage. You know, I tell that story with quinoa. It's a podcast episode, probably in year one or two. And it just, you can draw, you've got to just go slow and drive her crazy. And if you make her feel pressured, she's going to fake it just to get it over with. Okay, because there's been, I have had bad lovers in my past and where I just want to, like, I'm like, this isn't working. This guy's not letting me get off or I can't find a way to get off. And, you know, and you just, you kind of get a little, I don't want to say irritated with it, but yeah, irritated, you know, as you're like, fine, I'll just fucking fake it. I haven't done this again. This is in my younger years. I haven't done this in so, so long. Like there's, there's no I can't even remember how long ago this was, but women do fake it and, and that's why. And you don't want that happening. And it's a weird thing because we definitely don't want, we don't want to hurt anybody's ego, but we also want our needs met. And so that we have to strike this balance and how do we do that? And, and we're worried, I think, when we want to get expressive and tell our lovers what we need, we're worried that they're going to take, take that the wrong way. The other thing is, you're going to turn a woman off, like I think I said earlier. If you're trying to mansplain to her how to have an orgasm, like this just does not work. So you need to help her. You need to encourage her. And you also need to feel be confident enough to help her find other female leaders, whether those are sex therapists, podcasts, just bloggers, whatever, because we're naturally going to be more comfortable learning from a woman in the beginning, especially if a guy knows what he's doing and he can just get you there because he's naturally talented and skilled. I've had that and it's, and I'm just here to tell you it's rare and that's not any fault on men. It's just that every woman's so wired so differently. You know, you're, like I said, when you're trying to figure out that Rubik's cube, it's hard. So guys don't feel bad. Women have had experiences where they come along, but the problem, and, and a guy can do it for, but the problem is when that guy's gone, like, you know, with my, um, band guy with my, you know, guy in the rock band. I was just like, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know. I mean, I know some of the techniques, but how do I get another guy to replicate that? They're probably not going to know to do that. And I'm, I'm too shy to tell him. So what the fuck? You know, like this is what happens. So really you have to give her the space to kind of explore and then find a way to be a part of it too. 
right? And I think if you're encouraging her to explore and you're encouraging her, you know, if you want to go go to a woman or, you know, not, I don't mean f- physically, I mean to learn from a woman, then that's great. You know, I've also had some of the people, the guests that I've had on are really great at breaking this stuff down. It's not my area of expertise. I just wanted to tell my backstory because I felt like it's a very common backstory talking from women and talking to women. And and if you might hear a lot of and some similarities in what your partner has been through or is going through. And so I think, you know, there's a lot of kind of universal stories in here that are relatable. And I would go to, you know, I've had Kenneth play on, obviously, who can help you bring you together with your partner. His course will help you uh, do that. And if you want to go to kennethplay.com and use the code CuriousGirl, you'll get a discount. Also, when I had Paloma de la Os on, and we did that episode titled The Female Orgasm, she would be a great reference too, because she can help women you know, with anorgasmia and just also getting, you know, kind of getting over the hump, hopefully, you know, giving more communication to partners, but also, you know, she would work with with couples and then, uh, you know, women separately. But again, a female, you know, who really understands all this stuff and is clinically trained for it too, by the way. So those are some of the resources that I can offer. I hope what I had to say today was hot, you know, because listen, guys, I know, I know you want to please your partners. And I also know it's so hot when a woman comes on your cock or is coming on your fingers and just, and also just knowing that, you know, you, you made this happen, that you're a part of her pleasure and you're satisfying her. And I know how much men get out of it. So nobody's trying, I know guys aren't selfish. I actually know how much you really want to please your woman. So kudos to you for that. I hope this helps. I hope this helped my listener that probably was not expecting me to just do this whole big old long podcast about this. But you know what? I really feel it's important because it doesn't really, it's not age specific, but women struggle with this. And it's just like coming in and just turning the lights on and turning the heats on, heat on and being able to experience this is just amazing. Really, really is. And then when you get to experience this with a partner that you're really connected to, whew, let me just tell you, there's nothing like it. There's really, really nothing like it. And our bodies are capable of this. And women's bodies, we're not defective. We're not, we can come multiple times. We're multi-orgasmic. It's a gift. It really, it's a gift. And so I want, I hope every woman gets to tap into that and then tap into that while you're not just by yourself, but tap into that while you're with somebody that you truly, truly deeply connect with. Because nothing is better than that. Like that, ooh, that's the stuff of life right there. So... All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please support today's sponsor, guys. I mean, really, really a great product. And any woman would just be so happy to be the recipient of it. And it would also mean a lot to me. So always love your feedback. Please leave me any messages you want to. Uh, You know, I love voicemails. You go to thecuriousgirldiaries.com. Click on the pink tab on the right-hand side and leave me a message and I will get back to you personally. All right, everybody, love you guys so much. Stay happy, healthy, safe. Keep the feedback coming. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. And if you like what you hear, refer me to a friend. 
and make sure you're following me on social media. Also, go to the website, thecuriousgirldiaries.com and join my subscribers only list for access to exclusive content. And as usual, questions or comments, you can always email me at curiousgirl at thecuriousgirldiaries.com.